0: We are in a message series called I Have Decided, and this is a whole series about making decisions. Now, so often in life, we discuss. You ever get tired of discussing things? Discuss, 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 not disgusted, but discuss. There's a time to discuss. Discuss. And it's very important that we understand the difference between discussing something and making decisions. Now, often in the church, we discuss. We discuss Jesus. We discuss the church. We discuss our roles. But this is a series about making decisions. And so we've asked you to make some incredible, life-changing decisions. One decision we've asked you to make is to pursue Christ. Would you give your life to Jesus? And we gave you reasons why, and we're asking you, and at the end of the service today, we'll give you another opportunity for you to give your life to Christ. We've asked you to make a decision about being baptized. We talked about Jesus and how Jesus was baptized. And today we're going out to Honeymoon Island Beach, And from 4.30, kind of a connection event. And then about 6 o'clock, we're going to baptize about 60 of you. It's going to be a great day. We have a huge number. We'll do 70. We'll do 80. We'll do 100. We don't care how many of you want to be baptized. But this afternoon at Honeymoon Island Beach, you'll see in the bulletin there, just follow the signs. We've paid for your parking. Just go in. We've asked you to make a decision about being baptized. We ask you to make a decision about how you would handle temptation. Because temptation is really important that you make a decision before you are tempted. Nobody wakes up and says, I think today I'm going to have an affair. I think this is the year I'm going to become a full-fledged alcoholic. Nobody wakes up and makes that decision, right? So you pre-decide. We've asked everybody to pre-decide how you will handle temptation. We've also asked you to make a decision as to how Um, you would go about your Christian life called repentance. And repentance is you change your mind, you change your behavior. Now, oftentimes we talk about repentance, we think that's to become a Christian. The more I read the scriptures, I see repentance not to become a Christian, I see repentance for the Christian. The Christian gets a new insight, he changes his mind, and he then adapts his behavior. Repentance is change your mind, change your behavior, change your mind, change your behavior. So we've asked you as Christians to live a lifestyle of repentance. Now today, we're going to ask you to make another decision. And then your bulletin, if you've got one of these in your bulletin, hold on to it. At the end of the service, if you didn't get one, we'll pass, pass one out for you. We'll get one to you. But this is about becoming a member of our church. We've never done it like this before, which means you can't do it this way. Those are the seven famous words in the church. We've never done it that way before. So we're trying something new today. So this is about all of those of you that would like to join Harborside Christian Church. I prefer to use the word join the mission. The old school is called join the church, but this is about church membership today. And if you would like to join the mission of Harborside, we're going to give you this application card and allow you to fill that out toward the end of the service. So everybody in the room will fill one of these out. And you can say, yes, I would like to join the mission of Harborside. Maybe someday I would like to join the mission of Harborside, or no, not really, not today. And we're okay with that. But some of you have been coming for five or six or seven years, and you just never got around to the membership class. This is your lucky day if you want to be a member of Harborside Christian Church. And so you're going, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I can't be a member of a church. I'm a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. Look to the person on your left, look to the person on your right, and they're hypocrites. Everybody's a hypocrite. A hypocrite is simply someone who doesn't always do what they want to do, okay? We're all hypocrites in this room. I can't join the church. Are you kidding? I'm not good enough. We know that. (laughs) Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And so none, none of us in this room are the fourth member of the Trinity, are we? Well, you say, well, I, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to become a member. Well, that's the funny part, too. Is on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached one sermon, and 3,000 people became Christians that day. How much did they know? It isn't about how much you know. It's whether or not you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of a living God. And so today, we're going to give you that opportunity, if you'd like to, to join the mission of our church. But I want to talk about church. And when you think about the word church, what's the first word or the first phrase or the first feeling that comes to your mind or heart? So this past week, before we went to Nicaragua, the week before, I asked the entire staff, I said, don't overanalyze this. Don't overthink this. Just give me a visceral response What do you like about church? I asked all 20 of our staff, what do you like about church? And here's what most of them said. They said, all right. Uh, I said, don't overthink it. Just give me the first phrase that comes to your mind. What do you like about church? And the staff said, you know what we like? We like the relationships. We like being around good people. We like being around people that help keep us centered. I thought that was good, being around people that help keep you centered. Somebody else said, I really like seeing Jesus in other people's faces. And I think that's cool. The Jesus in me greets the Jesus in you. Someone else said, I like to learn. Because when I learn about God, it leads me to learn about myself. That's what I like about church. Somebody else said hope. I like church because church gives me hope. It gives me hope how to live my life. Another person said, I like the practical messages and the amazing worship services. Someone else said, I love seeing life change. I like seeing life change happen. And and that's probably one of the real perks about being a staff member. We get to see you grow in your relationship with Christ. We get to see you change. Now, maybe you've only changed from here to here, but we get to see that. And, And as a staff, I mean, I don't know that you really know how we feel about you. We are crazy about you. We think about you. We talk about you. We pray about you. We talk about you in a good way. We pray about you. We we are passionate about helping you and and all of us change. And so I agree with that staff person. It's such a perk to see life change happen. Someone else wrote understandable Bible teaching. Someone else said, what do you like about church? This community feels like my family. My family. I can't wait to get to church to see my family. Someone else said, I am learning while I'm being loved on. I like that. I hope you feel that way. I hope you don't leave church feeling all beat up and, you know, stepped on. I I love this. She said, I'm learning while I'm being loved on. Someone else said, what what do you like about church? I belong. I just feel like I, I belong. And the last one was, I always feel better when I leave than when I came in. I hope that's how you feel. I don't know. Uh, but I like that. I always feel better when I leave than when I, I came in. What do you like about church? What would you say? If I said to you and we're sitting across from each other at Starbucks for an hour or whatever, and I said, what do you like about church? What would be your response? When Jesus comes into this region of Caesarea Philippi, and we're going to read this in just a minute, but Jesus asked the disciples, you know, a couple of questions. And then Jesus tells the disciples, by the way, guys, I'm going to build my church. The guys are going, huh? What does he mean by church? Thomas, do you know what church is? I don't know what church is. Ask Peter. Peter, do you know what church is? I don't know what church is. When Jesus said, guys, I'm going to build my church, they didn't have a clue what church was all about. They didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. And so then, all of a sudden, Jesus goes to the cross, and Jesus dies. The whole church dream just gets wiped away, they thought. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew chapter 16, we see where Jesus introduces this whole idea of church. Now, again, as you're turning to Matthew 16, if I ask you, what do you like about church? Some of you would say, not a whole lot. I haven't had a whole lot of good church experiences. We never felt like we belonged. We always felt beat up. We always left church feeling worse than when we came in. And so for some of you in the room, we're trying to change the perception of what church really should be in your life. Because when Christ said, I'm going to build my church and not even the gates of Hades would prevail against it, church is to be a hospital. Church is to be like A Coast Guard cruising ship trying to reach around and rescue people. Churches to be filled with all of us loving each other, helping each other, praying for each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other. I call it balcony people. We're to be in each other's balcony. And balcony people always reach over and kind of help pull up somebody else. Balcony people are reaching over and pulling somebody else over to, to where you are and where it's safe. And so church in Jesus's mind is a really cool place. And church in Jesus's mind is a place that has lots and lots of people. And so let's read about this in Matthew chapter 16 and start with verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, that's a big deal. We don't have a lot of time to go into this, but Caesarea Philippi, the original Caesarea city on the Mediterranean was built by Herod the Great. His son now builds the next Caesarea. His son now builds these magnificent buildings. And in these areas, these guys, these architects, these builders and these kings, they would always erect statues of themselves. And so there's probably a statue of Herod the Great's son in this very region. And Jesus is going to ask a question. You know, I come into this region. Here's this great big statue. Here's all these important people. Jesus says, but now tell me about me. Who do people say the son of man is? All right, the next verse. They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Some say, Jesus, that you're Elijah's come back. Still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. And this is all a big deal too because all of these people are important in proclaiming who Christ is. Before Jesus could come back, the Messiah, there would be Elijah and there would be one of the prophets like Moses. Look at verse 15. But what about you, he asked. I think that's a great question. If I were to ask you, what do you think church should look like? What do you think church should be? And then I ask you, what are you doing to contribute to making church what you think it should be? What, what would your answer be? But what about you, Jesus said? Who do you say that I am? In verse 16, Simon Peter said, well, you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus said, well, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This is a really big Revelation. Jesus realized that Peter couldn't come up with this on his own, but it was his heavenly father, and the heavenly father revealed who this is. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven, which makes me wonder sometimes, every spiritual revelation that you and I have, is it because we've searched and sought and thought, or is it because God's just revealed it and unpeeled it from our eyes? Two good questions i don 't know, but it 's been revealed to verse eighteen says this, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock i 'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it now, Protestants and Catholics have kind of landed on the forty yard line opposite forty yard lines of each other for about the last fifteen hundred years. Protestants have tended to kind of underestimate Peter's role and Catholics have probably overestimated Peter's role. But when you talk about the church, what is the church? The church is Jesus Christ. And the foundation of the church was Peter's statement. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, even the gates of Hades will not overcome this. Now this is an amazing verse. Because when Jesus is saying this in this region of Caesarea Philippi, probably looking at giant statues all around him, the disciples are going, huh? What's a church? And what does he mean he's gonna build his church? Well, we know he was a carpenter. Does he mean he's gonna build like this little bitty place, this little bitty church? They had no concept. And when Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church, he wasn't kidding, was he? He dies, he dies. Three days later, he rises from the dead. For 40 days, he makes post-resurrection appearances. Now, we don't know how many appearances he made, but for 40 days, we have 11 that are recorded in the New Testament. We don't know how many he made. Did he make 25 appearances? Did he make 45 appearances? We don't know, but we have 11 that are recorded for us in in, in the Scriptures. And for 40 days, Jesus is showing up at different people's houses. Jesus is showing up in the marketplace. Now, if I were Jesus, I'd be knocking on Pontius Pilate's door. Hey dude, you sent me to the cross, I'm alive. That's what I would do, okay? I would be going back to Annas and Caiaphas saying, well, you know what? You think this place is hot, wait till you get to hell. That's what I would do if I rose from the dead, but I'm not the Messiah, right? And so this is, this is an amazing story for 40 days. Jesus makes post-resurrection appearances. And then he ascends into heaven. And the power of the Holy Spirit on Acts chapter 2 just came on all these different people. And the church began to grow and grow and grow from about 11 people to 12, from 12 to about 120. From 120 to the first, first day, 3,000 people were baptized. And today, 2,000 years later, there are about 2 billion people on our planet today who claim the name of Jesus as the Christ, the son of living God. Two billion people today. This is an amazing thing, this thing called church. I don't know what your church experience has been like. It's kind of like a Clint Eastwood movie. Some of you are good. Some of yours are bad. Some of you are just ugly, okay? But I know what it's supposed to be. And I know what we're trying to do at Harborside Christian Church. We're trying to make this as healthy of a place for your children, for your youth, for you, trying to make it healthy spiritually, trying to make it healthy emotionally, trying to make it healthy relationally. There's one word that we're trying to do. It's health, health, health. The church of Jesus Christ was designed to be healthy. So what is church? Well, first of all, it's full of people, all kinds of people. And we're not always very healthy, are we? All types of people. Good people, struggling people, confused people. People who've had a great church background. People who've had no church background. People who have a great understanding of the scriptures. People who aren't even sure the difference between um, Genesis and Revelation. This is church. And there's always room for one more. Church is full of people. Some of you are the core You're the core. You make things happen here. You serve. You contribute. If it weren't for you, this church wouldn't be as healthy as it is. Some of you are like on the outskirts. But we're so glad you're here. And we're asking you to join not the membership. That's like joining a club. We're asking you to join the mission because we believe we're on a mission for God, just like the Blues Brothers I just came to me. That's bad. But, but, but we, we, we believe that we are on a mission for God. I'll get my glasses later, okay? I love that movie. That's a great movie. Sorry. I totally distracted myself. It's full of people. It's full of people. But it's also a place. The church is also a place. Every time God's gathered... God's gathered at a place, and every time God's done something, he's done something with land or geography. Even in the Old Old Testament, the first chapters of Genesis, we see that God would have one of these guys build an altar. They'd be out in the wilderness, but they would build an altar, and an altar is simply a place where you go and meet God. You would see God would help them establish what's called the tabernacle, and they would build this tabernacle, and this tabernacle was portable, and it would move, and there's where God would dwell. God then built the temple through King Solomon. Solomon. And in this this incredible temple, God ruled and reigned inside of the Holy of Holies. And then there were all these synagogues. They built synagogues in all these different cities and all these different towns, lots and lots of synagogues. One temple, thousands of synagogues. It's places where God met. And so today, this is a church. This is a church building, it's a place where we've gathered to worship. But Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. And so we're going to have church this afternoon at Huntington Island Beach in our flip-flops, no speedos, but in our flip-flops and in our swimsuits and having a great time. We're going to have church today and baptize a whole bunch of people into Christ. Our small groups, our church, wherever our small groups meet, in homes or at the facility, church people, and church is all about a place. And so we're asking you to join the mission, to become a part of the mission. Now, you're saying, well, I'd love to, but I'm not really sure what, what that means. What does it mean? Well, I want to talk about our commitment. And as leaders, we have to have a commitment to you. There has to be a, a commitment from us. So, what can, if you join the membership or this church, what should you expect from us? Is that fair? I think it is. What what can you expect from us? All right, let's look on the screen. First of all, I think healthy churches have leaders that help people make sense out of life. One of the things that we're trying to do as pastors and as elders of this church is we're trying to help you make sense out of life. The Bible helps you make sense The Bible helps you with every relationship. The Bible helps you with every problem that you have. And so one of the things that you should expect from a healthy church is, how do I make sense out of my marriage? I'm divorced. I'm single. I'm single again. I'm a brand new parent. I'm a single parent. How do I make sense out of all this? Where is God and all this pain and all this suffering? That's what we do. I think a healthy church should help you make sense out of life. That's one of our main goals. Number two. Healthy churches have leaders that assist people with three vital connections. And these three vital connections are what everybody needs. Number one, everybody needs a connection with God. You are wired with a DNA chip, a God chip inside of you. You can resist it. You can rebel. You can push away from it. But every single man, every single woman was designed with a chip inside of them with a proclivity toward a a God relationship. And so we help you with the first relationship, first vital connection, is we try to get you connected to God. Number two, we try to get you connected to our church. Now, why would we try to get you connected to an organization? Because this, as a healthy organism, a healthy organism protects you. You need the church, and the church needs you. Every time somebody falls off the wagon morally or ethically or spiritually or even whatever, however category, they're alone. They've become disconnected. People don't fall off the wagon who are connected to a local church, who are connected to small groups. And so number one, we try to connect you to God. Number two, we try to connect you to the church. And number three, we try to connect you to each other because this is a place where you have friends. This is a place where you you need other people. Number three, healthy churches are filled with godly integrity. And you should expect us to be honest. You should expect us to be moral. You should expect us as a church to pay our vendors and pay our bills on time. And you should expect us to handle all these things with with great integrity. Number four, healthy churches have leaders that seek God's will for his church. And this is something that I really take seriously. This, this, This burdens me. I spend a lot of time asking God, what do you want us to do? There's 25 different ways to do church. There's 100 different things that we could be doing, and all of them could be good. But what do you want Harborside Christian Church to do? Why do we exist? Not the church, but why do we as a local church exist? And I spend a lot of time with this. I know our elders do, our pastors do. We're seeking God's will for this church. So this is our commitment. Our commitment to you is to help you make sense out of life, assist people with three vital connections, help you, help you fill with godly integrity, and to seek God's will for our church. Now, what about you? If you join the mission of this church, what can we expect from you? What's the right type of expectations that we have from you? Well, let's look at the four of those as well. Here's the first one. Healthy churches have people that, and the first one is embrace you embrace our core values. Well, what are our core values? Well, really, those are the five. If you get the first one, you get the rest of them. But the first one is biblical authority. And as pastors and as elders of our church, the Bible has absolute supreme authority for this church and for your life. And so we don't just believe in the Bible, we submit to the Bible, big difference. A lot of people believe in the Bible, but we don't want to just believe in the Bible. We want to submit to the Bible. We have worship as a way of life. This is a corporate worship service, but every day you worship. How you live your life is worship. Now, I don't mean you're going around singing all day. I think Joy, we, Elsa, she does, Joy, she does sing all day long, by the way. What you see on stage is what you see all the time, all week long. She's this way 24-7. She's singing and dancing and having a great time. She's really. I can't live like that. You can't live like that. Okay, most of us can't. But what does it mean by worship as a way of life? It means that we're going to honor Christ every day with whatever context he's put us in. We have continuous spiritual growth. Now, some of you know very little about the Bible. Some of you would say my spiritual growth on a scale of one to 10 is a 0.2. We're so glad you're here. And we've designed even our small groups, our connect groups on different spiritual maturity levels to help all of us to continually, to continually grow. We want excellence in our environments. Now, why is that important? Because without excellence, it says that what we're doing here is not very important. And so we want excellence in teaching. We want excellence in facilities. We want excellence in everything that we do because the unchurch world looks at us and says, okay, what they're doing here, they take this very seriously. And we have another, one of our core values is to outreach, and we outreach locally, and we outreach globally. We've got about 10 local missions, and we have about 10 global missions. All right, number two, healthy churches have people that contribute financially, and there's no big money spiel right now. We've already taken up the morning offering, but this is what we do as family. As family, we contribute financially financially. And, and I want to encourage every one of you in this room to become a percentage giver. And you figure out what percentage of your income that you would like to give. Denae and I have just started doing this online. I just every month, take it off of our credit card. You use a credit card. You can use a debit card. You can set this up. It just makes it really, really easy. But here's why. We are on a mission for God every Sunday. I mean, you just take what's going on at our church. I mean, how many children do we have every Sunday? Over 300 kids every single Sunday. We're probably having about 500 total children that attend to our church. Middle schoolers and high schoolers, and and we contribute to their education. We contribute to their mission trips. You saw Stephen on stage and um, they just got back from Pensacola for a mission trip. Last night, the high schoolers just got back, about twice as many high schoolers just got back from a a trip. Danita and I and several other staff members just got back from Nicaragua. There were 250 pastors at this conference this past week, and you paid for this conference. Each one of these conferences is about twenty-two dollars to $23,000. Probably our travel all is included at about twenty-five dollars About $25,000. For three days, we trained 250 pastors. This is our 20th pastors conference in Nicaragua. And, and, and we bought books for them. We have literature for them. We have workbooks for them. Uh, we bought a Spanish CD. We have a copy of a Spanish CD that we gave every one of them. You weren't there, but because of your financial contributions, you poured into a conference in Managua at this hospital called El Camino Real. And 250 pastors got on buses and came from hours away. One pastor came four hours away every single day, got up at 4 a.m., went two hours someplace to catch the bus that would take him the next two hours to our, our conference. And so this is what we do. We we contribute financially. And so, you know, I I don't really like paying the electric bill at my house. But I like air conditioning, don't you? You see where I'm going with this? And, and, And so without us contributing, we can't have all these different environments. We have Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, and Thursday nights. If you come on any of those three nights, you will see our parking lot now is full Every single one of those nights—Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday—parlors part full. Whether it's submerge going on with young adults, or, or, or the multiple different small groups that are taking place—and so again, we're trying to help people. And when you contribute financially, it allows us to be able to do more and more. There's the third one. Lean in somewhere. Healthy churches have people that lean in somewhere. This past Friday night, this room was full of, of tables and chairs and a luau for Celebrate Recovery. During the week, there's mops, mothers of preschoolers and moms next. Dur- during every week, there's about 75 different small groups that meet. All These are just adults. We have children's ministries, student ministries, youth ministries. We have all kinds of local ministries, global ministries. For goodness sakes, if you're going to join the mission, lean in somewhere. Get connected. Get involved. Pour your heart into something. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So there's a lot of different places to lean in in this church. There's a lot of different ways to lean at this church. But it is so important that you spend your life wisely. You don't have to spend all your time at church and all your money at church, but you figure out, okay, God, you've made me really good with my hands. And so maybe you come and you help Kirk. Kirk's our facility manager. People get Kirk and Kurt confused. I get calls for filters. He gets calls for adultery. (laughs) He said he'd rather have his own phone calls, okay? I'd rather have his phone calls. If you're good with your hands, jump in with Kirk, our facility manager. We can never have enough children's workers. We have 350-some kids every single Sunday. If you don't know where to serve, we'll tell you, we need you in children's ministry to jump in. Student ministry, middle school, high school, we've got people serving with ushers and greeters and coffee corners and all different kinds of areas. You see, this is the church. The church is you contribute and you contribute and you come and you help and you love and you pray and you lead and you follow and you contribute. And you, all these, this makes a church. It makes a healthy organism. It's an organization that God, and by the way, the local church was the only institution that Jesus Christ ever established. You ever thought about that? Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. And not even the power of hell itself will prevent it from happening. And today there are local churches in Iran, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in China, in Japan, in India. There are churches in places today that we would, in in Pakistan, that we would never dream of. Because the local church, hell itself cannot stop the local church from growing. It's amazing what God is doing all over the world. Wouldn't you want to be a part of the only institution that Jesus ever established and say, okay, I'm not perfect. haven't got my act together all the time, but I believe that Jesus is the real deal. That's the last one. I'm going to pursue Christ. See, healthy churches have people that, that pursue Christ. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn about Christ. I'm going to worship Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to fall in love with Christ. And so today, in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to do that because we want you to be able to give your life to Jesus Christ. And after that, we're going to to, um, give you an opportunity to join the mission of our church and even to sign up as well for, for Christian baptism. So today, let me just ask you this question. Would you like to become a Christian? Well, I don't know enough. Well, you don't have to know everything. You have to know that Jesus is the real deal. Well, I'm not good enough. Well, you don't have to be great, but you do have to surrender to his greatness. And that's a decision that every man, every woman needs to make. I have decided. We're going to put a prayer on the screen and we're all going to say this together. And if this is your first time to give your life to Jesus Christ, We just want you to know we're gonna say it with you. And so maybe today at this moment you'd like to choose Christ. You'd like to say, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe He's the Son of Living God. And I receive Him as my Lord and Savior. We're gonna put this on the screen. We're all gonna read this out loud together with you and give you the chance to make this commitment. Are you ready? Here we go. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I am so grateful that you are able and willing to forgive me of all my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God, and at this moment, I give my whole life to you. Thank you for allowing me to become a Christian and to live with you forever. Amen. If you did that, praise God. Praise the Lord. That's right. The angels in heaven are high-fiving each other right now over your decision to become a Christian. They are. That's, that's exciting. Well, I'm going to ask you now, if you would, to be seated after that. And there's a membership application. I'm going to ask, we're going to ask everyone to fill one of these out. Even if you don't want to become a member, join the mission, it's okay. We're just going to ask you to fill these out. Um, we're not selling your information to anybody. Um, we're not giving this, to, this is just for you, a spiritual inventory. If you don't have one of these cards or a pen, would you raise your hand and we'll give you some of these. But we're going to ask for, so, so if you're new to our church and you're not really sure if you want to join the mission of our church, just take it home with you. We, we get that. You, you don't know. Maybe you want to go home and pray about this. That, that's great. But we're going to ask you to join the mission of Harborside, become a member of our church. You fill out your name, your address, all that good stuff, and a spiritual history. Do you believe you've been into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior? Yes? No? I'd like to find out more. Have you been baptized by immersion? Yes? No? I'd like to find out more. I would like to be baptized. Or maybe you can write on there, I'm going to be baptized today, this afternoon and that uh, you'll see your signature there and your date and you'll notice our commitment to you on the very back we have a commitment to help you make sense out of life to assist people with three vital connections that you are filled with God- godly integrity and to seek god's will for his church and then we're asking you if you want to be a member of our church we're asking you to embrace our core values to contribute financially to lean in somewhere And to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to give you a couple minutes to fill this out. And then I'll come back and close the service for us. So to be a member of our church, you need to be a Christian. And you need to be baptized by immersion. You take on Jesus' death, burial, and his resurrection. And if you haven't been baptized, but you'd like to be this afternoon, leave the service in just a minute. Go to the Connect desk. Sign up. If you come this afternoon and you haven't signed up, you can still be baptized. It just makes it a whole lot easier because we can be organized and give you a t-shirt. Okay? Fill this out if you would, if you would like to join the mission of our church.